First Timothy 4, 11 through 16. Command and teach these things. Don't, look, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Gabe. All right, good. Good morning again, Antioch. You love that when every single speaker gets up and says, good morning, and expects you to say it back. Um, yeah, thanks, Gabe. We're in... Um, First Timothy, and thank you, loves, uh, for, for coming up and just sharing your heart and your experience and the support here at the church. Uh, I know every time we go through a hardship, that's a little bit of a different experience, but we want to be able to be there for each other and embody what it means to be family. Um, so I appreciate, appreciate that, and we love you guys um, very much. We're glad to see God's work in your heart and in your family. We're working through uh, the book of 1 Timothy, and in 1 Timothy, we, uh, we see Paul, who has mentored this young man and then sent him to be the pastor of the church of Ephesus. And so he's written in this letter to kind of walk through what does it look like to build this church. And we saw at the, uh, at the end of chapter 3, beginning into chapter 4, like Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. Build this building, build the structure of the church on Christ. And he gives a warning, if we shift off of that, if we add something else, other requirements, there's, there's a false gospel, it's a false foundation. It's going to go splat, it's going to fall down. It's not going to stand strong. So build on Christ. And he tells Timothy uh, in chapter 4, right in the middle of chapter 4, he's like, you need you as a as a leader in the church need to train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. It doesn't just you don't wake up one day and go, oh, I'm godly now. <laughs> you you enter a training program. You commit to disciplines that train yourself to be godly. And Paul says, and for my part as an apostle over here, this is why we labor and strive. Like laboring and striving. We're working really hard to help you build this church. you got to work really hard as well. There's this call that, that this deserves hard work. This deserves commitment. Helping build up a church like Antioch to stand strong on the foundation of Jesus Christ alone. The New Testament calls us to, uh, to become better builders of God's Church. We build up the church when we encourage one another, we love one another, uh, we, we build each other up in our, our walk with God, we strengthen one another, and we become builders of God's house. So you're a construction worker today. Anybody ever had an actual job as a construction worker? 
A couple of you did. All right. I kind of, kind of like, you guys are lucky. You know, you learn a lot on the job. Um, I know just a little bit about how to do a couple of things. <laughs> just through some home improvement projects, you know, like, oh, our deck is falling apart. We should have a new deck. So, you know, you YouTube and you read a, a book or you figure it out or you, you know, you do a tutorial. And I built a deck once. Yeah, I built a deck once. It's totally inappropriate because I don't call me if you need a deck built. I actually don't know how to do it. I like did it once by watching other stuff. You know, I've refinished a couple of hardwood floors once. Wow. Yeah, yeah, isn't that something? Yep, don't call me if you need you. I am far from an expert builder in these things. I've just done it a little bit. To get to like where, hey, you can call me because I know how to do this, I would need to be mentored. I would need to be apprenticed. I would need practice and practice and practice. And then I'd get really good at it. And think about it in terms of us here in the church. Sometimes I think we rely on some other expert builder and we, we're not really, we don't really have that much to do. Or, or we think, well, we kind of theoretically know how to do, how to make disciples or encourage a family or whatever. We need to commit to doing the work, to learning from people who do it well, to practicing these things so that we can actually become better builders of God's family. Can you think of anybody who you would say in a church context, context would be something like an expert builder? Like this person's really got great experience. They're, they're a good craftsman in discipling, loving, serving, teaching, whatever it is. Can you think of anybody who's been an expert builder in your circle that you've known? You probably can think of a few. I can think of some. Uh, I think about, um, I had a guy named John when I was in seminary who taught us about evangelism, John Nyquist. He taught us about evangelism. I got to work real closely with him for a year, and it was like, wow, I learned so much from him. That was so cool. Or another guy named John, different one, down in St. Louis when I was learning how to do reconciliation work. He mentored me, coached me, and helped teach me. I'm like, wow, this guy's really good. I learned a lot from him. Um, I can think of some people here that are great. Can you think of any? You want to shout out any names? Like, this person's just great at what they do. I just love to watch them work. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Turn the big spotlight on, Coley. Good job. Yeah, anybody else? You just seem working diligently or effectively. I gave you no warning for this at all. I think Joel does a great job with finances. Yeah, there you go. I would agree. Yep. We can, we can talk about that again. I didn't prep you for that at all. But, but we all, the part of the point is like, we want to be able to see who can we learn from, but we all want to do the diligent work of becoming better builders of God's church and building up the church on Christ. Ephesians 4 verse 12 says that God wants to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ might be built up. 
might be built up. We're on a construction crew with him. And so today we're looking at uh, 1 Timothy 4, verses just 11 to 16. It's not a real long passage, but he's, he's really showing Timothy, look, as someone who has a role in the church, you need to become a better builder. Um, let's just pause for a second before we look in the text and just pray. Um, Father, we just pause to acknowledge you as the author of this. Uh, Paul wrote it to Timothy, but you inspired it. It was words from you. You oversaw this so that what ended up on that page was exactly what you wanted us to see and have. You've preserved your word. Lord, this is a living and breathing uh, instrument in our lives, in our hearts. So I pray, Lord, that today, um, as we take it in, it would bring life and change to our souls and help us, Lord, to be able to build our church effectively on Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul says to Timothy, you need to command and teach these things, like the things he's just talked about, like make sure that we're building on Christ. If you see someone like building off on the side with their own blueprints, making something else, that should be confronted. You've got to oversee and make sure we're building on Christ. You know, and, and uh, Timothy, we know, was, was a little bit young. I don't know how old he was. Um, he was probably the age of a lot of you. And he wasn't like the most bold and confident person. He needed to be strengthened. He needed to be encouraged. And Paul's doing this, and in doing it, he is strengthening you. Paul is talking to you and me. And so it, it, I love this. It's so easily transferable. Um, that we can look at what, what he had to say. So I'm going to read the text again that Gabe just read to us. And sometimes um, I'm, aware, I'm painfully aware, like, I'm in this text all week. I read it a bunch of times. I'm reading commentary. You know, I'm thinking about it a lot. And you show up in church like, I wonder what we're going to be in today. And so uh, sometimes it's just, to me, feels refreshing to read a text a couple of times um, so that you can just kind of get your mind wrapped around it. Well, Paul says, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example for those believers in, for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Don't neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that anyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So as I kind of synthesize this, I saw four ways that you and I can become better builders in the body of Christ. Let's take a look at them. The first one is simply to be a good example. Right? Don't let people look down on you because you're young. You can probably fill in that blank with other things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're different in any other way um, or whatever people outside of you might judge, but rather be an example. Walk with Jesus in a way people can see. 
Be an example for believers in speech, conduct, love, and faith, and in purity. So what does it mean to be a good example for one another in our speech? Speaking well of each other, speaking words of life, not words that lead to, that diminish life, you know. When I was a kid, I remember learning about life words and death words. Some words are life words, some words are death words. Let's choose life words for each other. The Bible teaches us that we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. That's hard to do. It's hard to do, especially when a quick response, a witty response, uh, that might be more, it might seem more effective in the moment. It might get a little more attention in the moment. But Proverbs reminds us where there are many words, sin is not absent. And so we should be careful. Part of the way we're an example in speech is maybe sometimes to speak less for some people. To be cautious and weigh our words. For others, it's to speak up if that's, not, if that's a challenge for you and you need to speak into people's lives in a way. But disciplined speech becomes evidence of a maturing faith in Christ. An important way that we share an example Proverbs 4 or 12, 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We can bring healing and, and use our words as a way of, of lifting one another up in Christ. We should also be an example in our conduct. Um, how many of you, before you go to a business, especially if you've never been to one of them before, You'll check the reviews on that place before you go. Have you ever done that? You've checked it? I, like, I typically use Google reviews because it seems like most tons of people like give their opinion. And you get this rating, you know, to one or two stars or four or five stars. And I'll pick a four or five star place over a two star place any day of the week. I saw, I saw an episode of a sci-fi show. I don't even remember what it was one time where it imagined a different world in which every person had this little, like, holographic review of what everybody thought over their head that you could see. Um, and it was like a number or something. But basically, like, you, you know, you could see a person walking toward you. Oh, that's a two-star person. Come on, let's walk to the other side of the street. You know, or see, like, a five-star person. Let's go talk to him. And... It was kind of funny because if your number got low enough, you just simply got arrested. You weren't fit for society. (laughs) But Paul says we should be an example to one another in our conduct. We should be five-star people or four-star people or at least growing, at least improving, because we walk with Jesus. Right? As Christians, part of what a Christian doesn't mean like, Oh, you get to go to heaven, or oh, you've become better than everyone else. What it means to be a Christian is, I want to learn what Jesus said so I can believe it and and obey what he said. I want to learn how Jesus lived so I can live in his example. I want to become more like that. And so I'm walking out my faith, and that makes us, gives us better conduct among the people around us. We should be an example of that. Be an example, a good example in love. 
Anybody can love people who are fun or easy to love or lovely or who are nice to you. Um, But as Christians, sometimes our example of how to love is how we love people who are unlovely. How we love the people who aren't easy to love, even as Jesus says, love your enemies. And that is the kind of example that makes an impact for Christ. In faith, be an example in faith. You know what faith is? Faith is pretty simple. It's just believing something to be true even though you can't see it. Believing in what we can't see with our eyes. So we were designed to live by faith. We were built for that. You're all doing it right now. Um, Every person in this room believes without question that there's oxygen in the air. There's something worth breathing, right? Otherwise, if you believe that that you were underwater or if you believe that the air was toxic and and unhelpful in any way, you'd probably be holding your breath. (laughs) But Faith is as natural as breathing for us because we were built to walk by faith. So as believers, we believe that God is sovereign. We believe he's in control. So I don't have to worry about all the stuff outside of my control because I believe God is sovereign. We believe that Jesus uh, loves my neighbor And longs for him to be saved. And so I'll treat my neighbor that way as if he's deeply loved by God. And God's doing all kinds of things to reach out to him for his salvation. You know, we believe all kinds of things. And we should be an example of walking by faith. That strengthens the body of Christ. When we just live it out, you know. We just live it out. And he says, finally, be an example in purity. Um, This is challenged sometimes. Technology has given us the ability to have uh, little, little compartmentalized areas where we don't have to worry about our purity. We can just follow our desires or pleasures or or lust or whatever it is. And no one needs to know about it because it's kind of compartmentalized. You know, how is how is technology impacting your purity? And we're willing to address that area in our life so that we can walk in purity and be an example for believers um, in that area as well. How does social media impact purity for you? Um, Most of us just come to accept that we have these certain areas in our life and purity before God doesn't apply so much for how I conduct myself in social media or what I look at or what movies I watch or whatever. Um, but God is calling us to be whole people, to be integrous with, with you know, the, the same person on a Sunday morning as I am on a Friday night. And we need to be a good example of that. So maybe think about if you got to go back to talk to yourself maybe five years ago. Uh, you, got to, you got to write him a letter or have a short conversation. What advice would you give to yourself about purity? How would you advise yourself? Hey, 
avoid this thing and do this and work harder at this and stop that. You know, what advice would you give yourself? Because whatever advice that we might give ourselves from five years ago, do that. Just do that now. Hear yourself and, and follow that advice and be an example that if other people looked into every area of your life, they would see a person of purity. So being an example was one area that we can become better builders of the kingdom of God and keep the, the church built on Christ. The second area was this. He said, devote yourself to the word of God. Devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching, to teaching, and, and, and make sure that scripture is, is put out before us. The, the public reading of scripture has been important for a long time in the, in the church. Moses received the first scripture from God, and he would read it publicly before all the people. And they would come and they'd, be, they'd listen and believe and be changed. And then they lost the scriptures in the Old Testament for a long time. The people went off and served idols until like that Ezra and Nehemiah time. They discover Bible. They discover, you know, these scrolls from the Old Testament. And they would read them publicly for the people. This continued Jesus when he came on the scene and we'd see him as a young man going into the temple. What would he do? He would participate in the public reading of Scripture. We have one example where he gets up and read, did the reading from Isaiah um, to, to even announce who he was to people. And the public reading of Scripture, it continues to be really important to us in the church. We just come before the Word of God. We bend our knee to God's thoughts and God's perception and God's will, and we all do it together. Uh, so being devoted to the Word of God is super, super important. The Word of God is, how important is it to you? In Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter in the Bible, is all, every verse is talking about the Word of God. Verse 18, it says, The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Is God's word more precious to us than all the money in the world? It was to the psalm writer. Uh, in, in fact, he even says in another place, it is good that I was afflicted so that I might learn your statutes. Have you ever gone through like a really hard experience in life, maybe physical experience or an emotional thing or a trauma and, and you go back to the word of God and you're like, I need to make sense of that. That was really hard. And, and does this is this really true? We kind of go back, we dig deeper into the word of God. The psalmist is saying, I'm glad I went through an affliction because it gave me opportunity to dig back into the word of God. Do we love God's word that much? One of the ways we come to love it is just to re recommit ourselves to it, to be devoted to it, to do the hard work, labor and strive. Study the word, commit to reading it on a regular basis, memorize, 
talk about it in community group. Keep that conversation going, because as we dig in, it, God will reveal his word to be meaningful and helpful to us. So we, stay, we devote to the word of God. The third way to become a better builder is to use our spiritual gifts. Paul said, don't neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. That's interesting. I don't know actually what Timothy's spiritual gift was. We know what spiritual gifts are because there's other places that describe them and list them out. But Timothy's gift was invested in him. It was it was shown to him, it was affirmed in him. And Paul's like, do that. That thing that you're good at, do it. You know, do more of it. Because that's given to you by God to build up his church. Um, and so we, we can make an impact by working outside of our areas of giftedness. I might be good at this, but like God still calls me, do the work of an evangelist. That's not my spiritual gift. <laughs> That's scary, but there's, there's fruit to be born there. There's good to be done or encouraging people. Maybe that's not my gift, but it's good to do whatever that is or giving. That might not be my gift. It's, it's not, but it's a good discipline for me to have. And yet at the same time, you've been given something you're good at by God. And it's important and good for you to use it in the church. In fact, the whole the, teaches us in 1 Corinthians that the Holy Spirit knew what he was doing. And he gave you an ability or a gift to be developed and used that's different than yours, and they're both needed. So if you're being passive, you're like a paralyzed limb. It's, you're kind of dragging you around if you're not using your gift. We would rather you use your gift and then we together can build up the body of Christ more firmly. So uh, be a good example. Be devoted to the word of God. Use your spiritual gifts. And then he says that we should persevere in the work. In verse 15 and 16, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone can see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. At the end of the day, there's this element that makes it work, and it's just called hard work. You have to do the work. I know we have some cross-country runners in here that ran back in the day. I've talked to some of you about it. Um, we, our cross-country runners, when we start at the, in August, we start our practices, we give them a Summer Miles t-shirt. They get a free t-shirt. If they ran 150 miles from the time school ended until practice starts in August. Just, it's doable, but it's work. You know, and some of them will get all the way up into like three, 400 miles, but they have to run that 150 miles and then they get the shirt because if they do that kind of work, they'll be a better runner. It's, it's pretty simple. They'll be in a better place to do a better job. They'll enjoy the season more. We'll get more out of them as coaches. And, you know, we just got to have a way to acknowledge the, the value 
of work, of hard work. I was listening to uh, a thing, and there's a podcast was telling me about that. You know, the National Spelling Bee. These little kids can spell words that I've never heard of. You know. Um, that sound like they're from they're French or something. I don't know. I can't even figure it out. Uh, it's because those kids, like when you're in that top tier of National Spelling Bee kids, they've investigated and found that they spend 8 to 12 hours a day reading and studying the dictionary. Doesn't that sound awesome? 8 to 12, a lot of them, like the minimum was eight hours a day. Some were spending 12 studying on their own, alone, like in their bedroom. What are you doing? You're late for dinner. I'm reading in the K section. And they're studying words in the dictionary. But the hard work they do enables them to be crazy good at spelling. And Paul's reminding us, he's like, we ha- if we want to build up this church on the foundation of Christ, so Antioch will be strong and effective and last for the glory of God and the salvation of many people. We got to do the work. Be diligent in these matters. Give ourselves wholly to this. We got to watch ourselves. We got to watch our doctrine. We got to work hard together so we can just do it. Um, I just list, uh, just finished the book on grit by Angela Duckworth. And I was thinking about this, you know, grit, like that ability to stick to something and keep working at it until it gets done. And she gives this grit formula. And I was kind of laughing because like this fits so much into what Paul is teaching us. And the formula of really getting stuff done is this. You take talent, maybe your spiritual gift, the thing that you might be good at, and you combine it with effort, talent plus effort, you can develop a skill. Like um, you might have a bit of an ear for music. That's great. Nobody cares. (laughs) It doesn't really help anything. But if you combine effort to that, let's say you want to start working at learning to play the guitar, it takes effort. You got to build up calluses. You need to learn chords all this stuff, and eventually you might have a skill. You can play the guitar. Now you move to the second level. What do you do with that skill? You take your skill and combine effort, and you use it, and you discipline, and you give yourself to it. Now you can have a ministry. Now you can begin blessing other people. Now you can begin to build up the body of Christ with whatever your spiritual gift is. But either way, it requires effort, And then it requires more effort. That's what Paul's telling Timothy. This has got to be a commitment to work and to work hard at it. So that's just a, a great reminder to me, like, it doesn't matter how old I get. I need to keep working and growing and developing and doing these things. And so do you so that we can become more effective builders of the body of Christ. And God will use us to build up and strengthen his church. Antioch won't happen by accident. I I even think I can be so bold as to say God's not likely to do a great work here 
if we're sitting back passively waiting for God to build a, a strong church. That's not, according to this, that's not how it works. It works, God meets us and uses us when we engage, when we commit to the word of God, we commit to our life and our doctrine. We commit to each other and we work and we, we work and we encourage and strengthen and we work more. And God builds something beautiful that ensures our salvation and the salvation of many more people who need Jesus. Amen? There's a call for us today to recommit to work and to stick to it. Uh, let me, I'm going to close in prayer as worship team will come back up and lead us in our closing song. Father, thank you for the work that the Apostle Paul did. It's stunning to see how many places he went, how much he suffered without complaint, how, how hard he worked. And, and uh, the, the church is just built on your spirit working through the labor of your saints. And Father, I pray that, uh, that we would be encouraged by this. There's a controllable in this. We, we can apply these principles and we can do stuff that helps keep us centered on you, that gives, gives traction for what you, your will is for us and for the people around us, that they would be saved and find a place to grow become more like Jesus. Help us to just grip that through hard work and commitment uh, and just to, to be a part of what you're building and what you're doing that will withstand any culture shift, any kind of good or bad times. Uh, we can stand firm in Christ. So Lord, help us to become better builders of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.